tell me where in the world is crime in San Diego. Welcome back to another episode of Where in the World is Crime in San Diego. I hope you guys had a chance to listen to our uh, Faint of Lovejoy, where we discuss her um, acting skills in the courtroom, I guess. and uh, That's a really light way to put it. <laughs> you know, I just feel like it, it, it was just dramatic. It was just too dramatic for me, honestly. Like, just passing out and then having her get rushed to the hospital, like, her court reaction is priceless. The jury foreman speaking afterwards is priceless. Like all of it just Yeah. It's like you can't he, make it up. If he's such a good if, if he's such a good shot, why did he not hit the light? Why did he miss the light? And like I loved in the background how someone's like, ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. And just a reminder, if you haven't seen any of these, please follow our Instagram. We're in the world underscore is crime and SD and we post all these little snippets of these cases just to kind of give you a full picture. Oh yes indeed. So please follow us, uh DM us or on uh, Facebook. On Facebook. Or even we also have a Google form where you, you can also reach to us on there. Um so there's very many ways for us to you know stay in touch. So it is Monday February, February 13th. 13th. Tuesday is valentine's day february 14th so we wish you guys and everyone around you all the love um all the kisses all the chocolate all the balloons all the little special gifts and yeah i got something coming your way um, all the overpriced items just kidding yeah <laughs> or even to make it instead of a valentine's day make it a valentine's day weekend where everything's a lot more less hectic obviously not so overpriced and uh, yeah we don't do restaurants on valentine's day no I don't I don't do it because I'm just like, you know what? I am not going to pay an extra hundred dollars or more for what a dinner that I can go to any other given day. And reservations are not uh, drastically, you know, the service is usually rushed. It's usually super chaotic. You can't always get what you want. Half the time you can't customize a menu or order something different. Like it just it doesn't work for us. No. So uh, but we have a episode regarding on uh, Valentine's Day that unfortunately happened here in Carlsbad. We I don't will... know if it's me, but I feel like a lot of our cases have been in Carlsbad lately, which is like a really nice neighborhood, so you wouldn't think so much crime happens. Well, you know what? A lot of crime happens behind closed doors. And just because... Or where you least expect it. Exactly. And just because something is in a nice area does not... It doesn't get left unturned or unseen. It's just different. One of the videos I saw said, like, maybe they should name it Carl's Good instead of Carl's Bad. And bad things will stop happening. <laughs> oh my gosh. No. <laughs> I thought no. it was the cutest thing. No. But uh, yeah, so we're going to write into our episode for this week. This week's episode is called Heartbroken. Guys, this case will truly leave you heartbroken. So there was no other way to put it into words. Our disclaimers for this week are sexual abuse, murder, strangulation, abuse of a disabled, and necrophiliac. For those that don't know, it's. Sexual activity with a post-mortem person. Essentially, it's sex with uh, a dead body. And then, yeah, this sounds so terrible to say. And then our sources for this week are San Diego Crime Stoppers.org, 
San Diego Times, ABC10, NBC, CBS, findagrave.com, Times of San Diego, and Morbidology. So let's introduce to you guys Jodine Saren, but everybody knew her as Jody. So she was born in November 21st, 1967 in Glendale, California, but she grew up in Walton Hills, Ohio. Later, her family moved back to Carlsbad. She had a huge interest in making flower arrangements. She even eventually got a certificate in uh, being a flower floral designer, which oh, is pretty so amazing. Cool. I think it's really cool, right? She loved animals, horseback riding, ice skating, biking. She liked doing crafts, kayaking, and even like the long uh, beach walks, which I think is pretty standard here in Southern California. Sounds like she fit in perfect into San Diego. Yes. But also what was really cool is that when she would write emails or like letters, she would write them in like poetry style, like a poetry structure. Oh, which is that's pretty so cool, cute. right? But I think what's really amazing though is that she was a high functioning person with disabilities. So it's not really clear what disability that she had, but she was not able to function with certain things like driving a car was a big no no. She could not switch lanes and drive and, and stuff like that. Like so the multitasking that comes with driving. Yes. So her parents would be there for her to take her from and to appointments and daily activities and stuff like that. Her parents were involved in her life. Jodine had five siblings, so she came from like a really big family. Oh, that's cool. That's really awesome. I, I like that. Um, so Jodine lived on her own in a condo on the ground level in Carlsbad on Swallow Lane, which is actually in the vicinity area of where I'm always around like four or five days out of the week. Jodine had a lot of support. She also was involved with the National Alliance for the Mentally Ill, the Mariposa Club, the Friends Clubhouse, which all these programs are there for people with challenges to, to adjust to where they have assisted help in doing daily tasks that for anyone else would seem normal. So she, she was very involved with all these programs. She loved helping others, especially those homebound senior citizens. She would always be there for them and in Aww. volunteering like for the church and even the Humane Society because she loved animals. L looking at Jodine, she looked like she had her challenges, but she still was always there to give that helping hand to anyone that needed it. All of that makes this story so much more heartbreaking to even like digest. But let's start with the fast forwarding to February 14th of 2007. Obviously, like we said, she was very in touch with her parents. Her parents had planned to celebrate Valentine's Day by going out to a dinner and a movie, you know, very casual night out for them. And they did call her a couple times throughout the day to like check in, make sure she didn't need anything, but she hadn't answered. And it's one of those where like, okay, one missed call is not a big deal. Two missed calls. Okay, she's probably doing something. But by like the end of their evening, when they realized that she hadn't answered any of their calls throughout the day, her mom had like this gut feeling, which I feel like mother's intuition, we constantly hear this. She just had a bad feeling about it. Like she never goes that long without answering the phone. So the parents decide to drive over around 10 p.m. And they had a set of keys to her house because considering if they ever needed to get in or out, it made it easier. 
they use their keys to get into the house and the key turns, but the door doesn't open. And they realize that the chain is locked from the inside, which means she had to have done that on purpose. Yes, that security feature where it's like that extra lock on the door where it's like the the slot with the key. Or yeah, you don't see it as much anymore now, but before it was pretty common. Yes. So the dad gets a little more on alert at this point. He's like, that never happens. That can't be good. What if she's hurt? You never know. So he breaks down the door. He gets in. They walk in and everything looks normal. The lights are on. Like the house, like nothing looks like distorted or out of place. But she's not in the living room. She's not in the kitchen. So they make their way upstairs to her bedroom. And they're thinking maybe she's in the shower. Maybe she's in bed already and she forgot to turn off the lights. Like it is 10 p.m. at this point. And when they walk in, they only see silhouettes. But they can tell that she's laying down and there's a man on top of her. Parents are super embarrassed. Like, oh, my God, wrong moment. My bad. Like, we'll wait downstairs, get dressed. And then they're expecting like a very embarrassed couple to come down and like, you just got caught by your parents on Valentine's Day. Like, you weren't what? expecting them to walk into your house at 10 p.m. Yeah. And in your own place, too. Yeah. Like, I don't care how old you are. I'm sure that walk is like never fun. Nope. And they're waiting and waiting. And five, 10 minutes go by what seems like a bit. And they're getting like, I'm sure every second of that ticking clock is just awkward. But then that awkward turns into concern. In her parents' mind, it's like, okay, we know why she wasn't answering the phone because she's busy. But who's this guy? Where did he come from? We have no idea who this mystery lover is. And the longer time goes, like it gets to a point where her dad's like, you know what? Forget it. Like they're taking too long. Let me just go and like get it myself. So he goes up, he knocks on the door. Nothing. He presses his ear to the door. No noises, no response, no like wrestling. So again, that alarming comes back. He opens a door and he finds his daughter naked and murdered she's been bludgeoned to death and like it's just total crime scene obviously when they walked in all they saw was silhouettes because the lights were off not only that but he finds that she's alone in the room and the man had escaped through the kitchen like somehow in passing it's still like unclear how he got out but it was literally like a split second where he like ran out and left and the only trace of him was men's shoes by the front door because Jody had this rule where like she had carpet and like a lot of homes with carpet. You want people to take off their shoes so that you don't leave the footmarks everywhere. So that's all they have to go by is a pair of shoes and unfortunately her body. You would think that's the most heartbreaking to all of this and it can't possibly get worse, right? Well, it does. So obviously the parents call the police. They come in to do their escape. They're taking witnesses or witness statements. And there's one neighbor that happened to be looking out her window and she saw, again, the silhouette of the man. So just the build. And he was running down an embankment that was in the back of their complex. Which, considering there's a lot of the development, I feel like that was like one of the few areas that maybe had an embankment with like access to like escape. So in that area where they're located, there's like canyons, there's valleys. Um, this is back in 2007. So, so there wasn't there, a lot of development. There wasn't very much stuff around there. Like you look at it now and there's like a bunch of houses. There's a big giant park over there. Like there's like a, uh, it's like a sports facility for like little league and soccer over oh, okay. not too far. But back at that, like 2007, a lot of that stuff was just open land. There's nothing developed. 
Well, it made it much harder for them to have anything to work with. But the second they walked into the room, obviously like an odor that comes with a body that's been there. And they were able to determine that she had been dead for four hours at least. The window's like four to ten hours, which is a big window. And considering that her parents were busy that day with like making their Valentine's Day plans and like they kind of weren't freaking out at the morning because it's daylight and like, you know, she's probably just in one of her clubs or doing something. It's really hard to pinpoint the exact time. So that's like the window they gave. Which means that the entire evening part or what they walked in on. She was already gone and he was just taking advantage of her. Yeah, where that's that's the whole necrophiliac yeah. part takes into play. Like that is so disturbing. It really is. It's 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 insane because there's people out there that they get a thrill out of this. Four kind of hours is a long time. That's it's not like, you know, she passed in the middle of it and like he couldn't tell. Like, oh, it just gives me body chills. Like, I can't. Yeah. And like her her dad, Art, you know, tried to, you know, perform CPR on her. But. Her body was ice cold by that time, and it, it's 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 so hard to even just even witness or even or even just think of that you know you have your loved one that you see is there, and there's nothing you can do because so much time has gone by that you're like, oh my gosh, and but at that point he had no idea how long it had been. He mm-hmm. was just in like survival mode exactly well, right. luckily he was ca- I don't know if luckily is the word for it. He was careless enough to leave behind DNA samples everywhere. And the first thing they do is they run it through CODIS, which is a database for any priors. And not coming back with the result meant two things. Either he had never been convicted and caught for a prior crime or any of the crimes he had done were before CODIS was enacted and therefore there was no record. So police are back to square one where they have no idea. They only have a silhouette to work with. They have a feeling that she knew or let the person in willingly, considering that there was no damage to the door, like breaking and entering, and that he had taken off his shoes, which means she probably requested that when they arrived. Other than that, there's like there was no cameras at the time. You couldn't like check your ring to see like the activity, which no, I'm thankful yeah. for that now. Mm-hmm. No, but definitely for sure, like it, she welcomed this person in. They did not. It was not forced entry because, like you said, the, the little. The extra lock on the inside of the door, the shoes taken off, and none of the windows or nothing was broken, and none of the stuff of her personal belongings were taken. Yeah. Well, they obviously took the samples. They did a full autopsy, and they found that she was, it was blunt force trauma to the head that was her ultimate cause of death. Um, You know, some time goes by, and it's hard to crack it. Like, again, there's not much to go off of. So three years later, her parents decide to try to put a little money into this and see if it will get them more answers. So San Diego County and Crime Stoppers, I believe you like the foundation price is like a thousand dollars for like any leads that go to an arrest. Like that's for like all cases. And then her parents decided to add their own thousand dollars and see if that would kind of like sweeten the pot. And that was on February 14th of 2010. So like three years exactly. And a couple of days later, your favorite person, governor at the time, Arnold Schwarzenegger, decides oh. to sweeten the pot and add $50,000. Wow. <laughs> Arnold. I love Arnold. Is this why you love him? 
I love his movies. I really love his movies. It's like, put that cookie down. <laughs> um, but yeah, he did do fifty fifty two thousand dollar reward for any. Well, uh, he put fifty, so the total stood at fifty two thousand dollars. Yes, fifty two thousand. And you would think with that kind of money, somebody would come forward. Somebody has to know something. But nothing. Time goes on. It sits as a cold case. You know, they still try to do tests here and there, revisit it. But again, there's not much. And on her 10-year anniversary, the San Diego or Carlsbad Police Department made a website dedicated only to this cold case to hope to, like, kind of renew it a little bit and see if, like, at this point, anybody wants to come forward. And still nothing. Another year goes by. And 11 years later, all of our technology pays off. So San Diego pairs up with West Virginia and they send it to Parabon Nano Labs. And what they do is they basically take the sample of DNA and the eyewitnesses and they try to run it and try to get some of the characteristics that this person would have. You know, like how wide is their face? What color is their eyes? What's the spectrum of their hair color? What's their ethnicity? Basically 23 and me, just at a higher extent. And they do that and they get a facial feature, but nothing really comes back. A couple months later, they pair it with familial DNA and they're able to get a match. And the craziest part to me is that his ex-wife and his child came forward to confirm that with their own samples. And they were able to confirm that it was indeed David Mabrito, who was known to be a transient in the area. So it's unknown if like Jody maybe just wanted to give him a helping hand and like maybe he asked like to come in and use the bathroom or like, I don't know what excuse he could have made. But I can see her being kind hearted enough to let someone in for a quick second and then not expecting that to happen. And here's the thing. David hadn't been convicted of something before, but he had been suspected of something before. So a year before the murders, he had just gone through a divorce. They had a child that he was like trying to fight for, but he was just in a really bad place in his life. He was homeless. He was bouncing around. And he had been suspected of a burglary in the area, like literally same neighborhood. And the cops asked him, like, can we take your DNA? And of course, he's like, no, I'm good. Like, I'm going to pass. And they're like, oh, we're going to take it anyways. They took his DNA. They took a swab sample. And it turned out that he wasn't the burglar. So they'd never entered it into CODIS. If they had entered it back then, they would have saved the family so many years of agony. Because as soon as they got the name, they went and they pulled that sample, which luckily they still had. But it was from a different police department. Like, it wasn't the Carlsbad Police Department. And they pulled the sample and they matched it to the swab that they had and the sperm that they had. And everything came back to just like concretely confirm that it was indeed him. And when you look at the genetics that they pulled and like the snapshot that they made and his photo, it's pretty spot on. Like it's insane how technology can really, you know, determine the case and make turn the tides, you know, for for someone's favor. And and it, it is crazy. You know, it it only, it only be, was because he wasn't the prime suspect of the burglary that they weren't. I like, know, but why not just put it in as a just in case? Like at this point, I want everybody to go into the system. If yeah. you haven't done anything, you have nothing to worry about. <laughs> but if you did, you're going to get caught like sooner than later and save families so much time. 
And I wish we were at the point where I could tell you guys that he's in jail and paying for his crimes and we can all move on with our day. But here's this pretzel. Here's another pretzel. And I hate this one. But in 2011, Dave took his own life. And it's unknown the reasons why, if it was out of guilt, if it was all the struggles he was going through. But he is left to not have to answer for his crimes and cause his family so much pain and heartache and took this young girl's life because 39 is still young. She had so much ahead of her. She offered so much good to the community. She was such a happy person. Everything about this case is just so heartbreaking. Uh, it truly is, you know, and uh, the Saren family had a, you know, a message that was quoted to, you know, for the public to read. And it says, Jodine taught us all with her special challenges, perseverance and love of nature. There was joy in her laughter, love in her heart, in faith and her, her soul. The Saren family is forever grateful to the Carlsbad Police Department for their outstanding efforts in attaining justice through resolution of this tragedy, this tragic case. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard because they're, we're not going to get answers, but knowing that a DNA, you know, is, you know, the match, like it's showing that this is the actual perpetrator murderer, at least gives you some kind of comfort that that person is no longer out in the streets. That's what I was going to say. At least they're no longer able to do this to someone else. But the kind of person it takes to take something this far, like it's scary that somebody can be roaming around the street like that. It truly is. It's, it's, it's really disturbing to see that people do commit this like necrophiliac kind of stuff. It's just really, I didn't even know there was a word for it. Like there shouldn't be, it shouldn't even be a thing. It's uh, it's really it's it's strange. It's 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 disgusting. <laughs> it's very mental illness. I'm sorry guys, this one was a tough one. It was tough to research, it was tough to digest. It Yeah, because you look at it where you know people are, are you know they're vulnerable and you know may everybody comes in different shapes and sizes. And in this one is just extremely difficult because her mental capability is And you can't help but think if she was targeted for that. Exactly. Like, that's what hurts me is that, like, was somebody looking at her and thinking, like, that was her weakness and therefore took advantage of that mm-hmm. when she was just being kind to somebody? Like, ah, it just, all of it aggravates me. It, it, it does make me angry that it's just, you know, this, this loving person, Jodine, um, Jody, you know, she Despite had- how she passed, though, like, I do want to focus on, like, the good she brought to the community and how she used her disability almost as her superpower to, like, help bring other people together. Because I feel like that's what we should be celebrating is like the kind of person she was and try to like continue that on. Yeah. And not uh, let it, it overshadow by how she was taken. Yeah. That makes she, sense. She made like she had a huge impact on so many people's lives. And it's, it's amazing to see. So I think it'd be cool if this week everybody can, you know, focus on like honoring her in a way by trying to do a kind gesture or something nice. Kind of like pay it forward. Yeah, like this whole month is, you know, you, you're seeing like the, the random act of kindness. If It could be anything small for like opening the door to a stranger or even a compliment of being like, hey, I like your shoes. I like your dress. You're you look beautiful today. Like something very small can go a very long way. Like you don't know what kind of day that person is having. You might have a rough day, but that person may have an even rougher day or you're having a good day. 
and you, by just showing a random act, random act of kindness, will just brighten that person's day just that much more. I think that's our challenge for this week. And it'd be nice if you guys do do something like let us know what you did and like share it with us so that we can kind of hopefully inspire others to do the same. Oh, I would, we would definitely love it. So we're paying our respects to Jodine Surin and her family and her untimely death. So now we reach the end of our episode and we introduce our SBS of the week. Small business spotlight. Let's introduce to you Gaetas Gael on Instagram. Their Instagram handle is Gael Cookies, G-A-E-L-S Cookies is their Instagram handle. It's a mother and daughter ran cookie business. And it's really cool because this is a relative of Angie's family. And two weeks ago, we had our engagement party and they handcrafted us engagement cookies that I was completely blown away of how cool these cookies looked. So we will definitely put them on our page for you guys to take a look and please hit them up for all of your uh, specialty needs for cookies. These cookies had so much detail. Like I sent them Pinterest inspo, but I didn't think it was going to come anywhere near and it like surpassed my expectations. So thank you guys for making our day extra special with that sweet little touch. Oh, totally. And and I still have them. I, we still have them here at the house. We don't want to even eat them because they look so beautiful. I know. <laughs> I will post pictures, guys. Promise. Yes. So we'll definitely post pictures on our Instagram. Uh, please follow uh, Gael's Cookies on Galletas Gael. Oh, and one more, one more quick thing before we leave. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday, the Rihanna show wasn't really completely blown away. And uh, congratulations to the Kansas City Chiefs for winning. And congrats to Rihanna and baby number two. Yeah, I told you right away. I was like, hey, that looks like a baby bump. I know we were so confused. We thought we were judging, but I'm <laughs> glad that it was confirmed. So, <laughs> On that note, stay tuned every Monday for your next dose of Where in the World is Crime in San Diego? Till then, catch us on the next case. And in case we don't see you, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Tell me where in the world is crime in San Diego. Hey,